So, uh, I am so excited about this uh, series that we are get, getting ready to go on. I was thinking about it and thought of uh, a guy named Eduardo Perez in 1996. Eduardo was in Stockholm, uh, Sweden, on business. And he stopped by a Roman Catholic church to pray. He just felt like he needed to, to, to just pray. So he popped into a Roman Catholic church to pray. And there was the body of a guy in the church in his coffin. And next to it was a guest book register, you know, that they have in those kinds of cases. And, and he came in and he saw that. And he, he thought about the guy and his family, kind of did a little prayer over it, you know. And, and then he signed the guest book and he left. And it uh, wasn't too long when they got a hold of Eduardo. And they said, listen... The, the person who was lying in state there, the, the person who was dead, was a guy named Jens Svensson. And he was a real estate developer who had passed away and he didn't have any heirs. And so he actually had specified in his will that whoever prays for my soul gets all my belongings. Now, according to the newspaper, well, number one, Eduardo Perez was the only one who signed his name. And number two, according to the newspaper, what he had what Eduardo ended up getting was about a million dollars. That was back in 1996. So because I love Lauren so much, I did a little calculation, three and a quarter percent in inflation over, uh, over those years until today, it comes out to about $2.25 million. Is that the way you'd like to get your prayers answered? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even pray for that specifically. I thought that was pretty cool. We are starting a series on prayer today. We're going to go for six weeks on it. The books that you have is, will, uh, is a daily devotional, and it's, you need your own. In other words, if you're a couple, don't think, well, we'll just save money. We'll just share one. Don't do that because you're going to write in it. You want to write in it. On page 11, there's a commitment we want you to make, and you sign your name saying, yes, I'm going to agree to do this for the next six weeks. We believe that God is going to move powerfully in this time frame that God is going to move, uh, he will get let you know him better in this process he's going to do give some immense, amazing answers to prayer we absolutely believe that in fact I believe that so much that um, we're planning on the seventh week to have just a week of testimony and worship about what God's doing so you need to write down the prayers that you're asking God to do in the next 40 days 40 plus days and, uh, and keep track of that so that we can hear about how he's interacted with you in it. It will be a life-changing, growing experience for everyone, but here's what I know. What you get out of it will be determined by what you put into it. It really will. And if you're willing to say, Lord, I... I, I I don't totally get this whole prayer thing. I try it, but it seem, doesn't seem like you answer in the way I'd like you to and all that kind of stuff. I'm challenging you. Put something into it and begin to pray and walk through these things and pray these prayers. There's a prayer, a little prayer that you can pray at the end of every devotional. That's just to get you started. And then it kind of launches you into how, how to continue to pray in that. And I am believing that God will uh, really impact you powerfully in the process. We are asking you to do it with someone. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that uh, there is someone who does not want you to do this. Anybody know who that is? Satan, the enemy, the enemy. He does not want you to do this. And you know why? He does not want you to get closer to God. He does not want God to speak to you. He does not want you to get yourself in a place where you begin to see God do phenomenal things, so much so that you can't help but begin talking about him. He does not want that. 
and he will do stuff. And you just mark my words, this next week, if you make a commitment and you sign that, he will be doing stuff this next week to mess that up. And when you recognize where that's coming from, then you have the opportunity to say, whoa, whoa, hold on. And that's why we want you to do it with somebody else. So if you can get in a small group, do it in a small group. If you can't get in a small group, get a battle buddy. Get somebody else that you know. If, they're not, if they don't go here but you know them, get them a book. Uh, we'll, we'll be happy to let them have a book. Give them a book so that they can go along with you. And then when those things happen, you'd be, you'd be texting each other, hey, what did you get out of today? And you can have a little conversation like that. It doesn't have to be long. But then when these things come up, you can say, man, I'm telling you something. You can't believe what's been going on. And you have somebody else to pray with you against those things so that you can stay uh, committed to the entire process. So in this series, we're going to talk about why, how, who, when, what, how you can get better results in praying, how you can recognize and find God's answers in praying, and you're going to see God surprise you in how he does that. So because of that, I want to encourage you to pray. Just pray, because prayer is your key to knowing God. Prayer is your key to knowing God. It is the way that we communicate with him. It's the way that we, he, he listens to us. He hears us. You know, I brought with me today um, up here. I don't, I, I, you know, how many of you carry your cell phone just about everywhere you go, right? There's some of you who won't go to the bathroom without it. I know that, but don't tell us. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I don't normally bring mine up uh, in the front, but I did this morning because I was thinking about how prayer is our avenue of communicating with God and the similarities there are in some ways to prayer and a cell phone. So, um, you know, this is an amazing piece of equipment. And I think the older you are, the more you realize how amazing it really is. Everything that it can do and is capable of. Anybody remember what the early cell phones were called? The brick. Who said that? Did you say that, Alex? No, I did not. Some, oh, Jeff. There you go, Jeff. Way to go, man. Way to go. <laughs> Yeah, they were called the brick, and the reason was they were like a brick. They were great big, you know. Now here, for double bonus points, here we go. What was the technologically amazing piece of equipment prior to cell phones that you could have, and it would tell you, who said pager? <laughs> oh, oh, here, catch that, Karen, and give that to whoever said that. Did you, I, you said that too, didn't you? There you go. Double bonus points on that one, man. All right. Yeah. Pagers. Pagers were incredible. Hey, I'm supposed to call somebody up. You thought you were so impressive, you know? And uh, some guys I knew, they set it up where they could, it would go off when they wanted it to, kind of like they, so they could <laughs> also, oh, I got to go, you know, and they could leave a meeting, you know, that, that sort of a thing. Amazing stuff. Here's the thing about a cell phone. Some of the parallels. This cell phone, one, can be turned on or off. So can prayer. This cell phone uh, gives me an ability to communicate that I do not have without it, as does prayer. This cell phone allows me to put my favorites on speed dial. I don't even know their numbers anymore. Same thing with prayer. God says, I'm on your speed dial. Go ahead, start talking. I'm ready to hear you. This cell phone allows me to have more intimacy with those that really matter to me. So does prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes this cell phone can be a little bit confusing to use most effectively. So can prayer. 
which is why we take a series like this and press in and say, Lord, show me the different ways to use it. Let me use it more effectively. This cell phone has more capability available to it than I will ever know or use. So does prayer. Now, this cell phone must actually be turned on and be used to be effective. Otherwise, it's not even a very pretty piece of whatever, right? Junk. Paperweight. Paperweight. It's a paperweight. That's all it is. Same thing with prayer. Must be used to be effective. And by the way, the cell phone must be recharged to stay effective. So some of you have had a prayer life and do have a prayer life. And, and part of the, the value of a series like this is to recharge your prayer life and for us to be focused on that and see the difference that God makes in it. So praying is the real work. Now here's what's interesting to me. In, in the Christian world, and particularly in churches, so often we think the real work is to be busy. To be, a, to, you know, I've got to serve sacrificially, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And so we get busy with activities. And we forget that the real work, the work that makes the difference in the spiritual realm, the work that makes the biggest difference inside of us, deep inside of us, actually begins with prayer. Not activity, not running faster, not trying to do more things. Prayer is the will. But listen, that does not mean it's easy. It isn't easy. As a matter of fact, in some ways, it's very difficult, even for the professionals. Listen to this. I read, I read this thing in Christianity Today where they reported that the average American pastor prays 25 minutes a week. That is pathetic. I mean, that is ridiculous. It's time for pastors and people in churches to repent and start to pray again because that's how we communicate with God. So let me ask you this question. What are the benefits of prayer? Why should we bother? What are the benefits? Relationship with the Father. Helps with the relationship with the Father. Yep, what else? It builds trust. Good, yes. What else? Discernment. It can give you discernment. If you're praying about different things like that. Excellent. What else? Builds faith. Yeah. Now we're starting to think, my gosh, begin with, I thought there would be no reason for any of you to bother praying. There's a whole lot more than that, aren't there? But do you notice that every one of them have something to do with knowing God more, with interacting with God more? That's why we want to pray, because prayer is your key to knowing God. So let's start by doing that right now, okay? Lord, thank you so much that we get to the privilege of dipping into this subject matter so we get to know you better, so we can have greater faith, so we can have increased discernment, so that we can have a better relationship. Thank you that you have designed this and created it so that any one of us can do it and that you desire and want to have us interacting with you. We give you praise for that. We're so thankful for it. So now, Lord, I just pray that you would bless all of those that are stepping into this together and that us as a church here, that we might see the differences and see your hand move in amazing, incredible ways for which we commit to give you glory and you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to share a few, some reasons why to pray, some ways that God's going to answer you, to, so how you can begin to look for and note those things. The first one might surprise you a little bit. Here's what it is. God always answers our prayers. God always answers our prayers, unless God's a liar, 
because he says that. Now, I don't, can't tell you how many times I've heard. In fact, I'm going to be honest. I've actually said it myself. Well, guess God didn't answer that prayer. Really? He says he does. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, wait a minute. Look at that verse. Look at that again. Tell me this. Who receives, finds, and gets it opened? Who? Everyone who asks. Everyone who asks gets it. Hmm. But how come it doesn't feel like that? Well, God, so if Jesus is telling the truth, God always answers our prayers. Well, then how come it doesn't feel like that all the time? Well, because he answers them in one of four ways, typically. First, God says yes. When our timing is right, when our request is right, God says yes. That's the way he answers. That's the way we think answered prayer is, isn't it? That's when, we, when we say, God, well, I guess God didn't answer my prayer. What we're really saying is, I guess God didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted God to answer my prayer. That's what we're really saying. So, that's, so God does say yes. God says no. He says no when our request is wrong, when the timing is wrong, or maybe, and we'll get into this later, maybe because we've done some things or we are at, involved in something that God's saying, uh-uh. Not right now, not where you're at right now. Not going to do it. And then the third way God answers is he says, go slow, go slow. Now really, really the word there would be wait, but wait doesn't rhyme with no, and slow does. So uh, you can put wait down or you could just, but what he's saying is not yet, not yet. I'm not ready to give you that yet, or I'm not ready to have that be accomplished the way you want to. So your timing, you just need to wait a minute. Or the fourth thing is that God will say, grow, grow. I want you to grow through this experience. I want you to keep pressing into me to, to, to become more intimate with me. There is something going on in your life that, has, that may have little to do with your prayer request, but I want you to grow in the process of seeking the answer to it. And so he will say, grow. He's going to answer your prayer in one of those ways typically. And when he answers it, here's where you begin looking for it, okay? First, God answers through his word, through the Bible. And here's what's wonderful. He will not contradict his word. So if you think God's telling you something, you're praying and you're saying, God, I'm trying to listen right now. And then God speaks something to you or you open up the Bible and you read it. God will not contradict his word. He speaks to us through his word. I happen to believe personally, and there's, I don't have any biblical basis for this, but I happen to believe this personally, that there are times God will not seem to answer your prayer because he already has. You just haven't opened up the Bible to look for it. And God's going, I've already answered that. Why are you asking me that? And let me give you an example. I remember talking to a guy uh, a number of years ago. Does not go to Arbor, so there you go. Uh, and, and he was telling me that, you know, he was involved in a relationship he should not have been involved in. It was outside of his marriage. And, and I was talking to him about that. And I said, man, what are you doing? And he said, you know, I think God wants me to be happy. And, and I've been praying about it. I've really been praying about it. And I said, Stop. He said, what do you mean stop? I said, stop praying. God's already answered you. Why would you expect him to answer it again? It's in his word. It says, do not commit adultery. And that's what you're doing. So just stop it. You don't, and if you pray for God, I, but God, I want you to answer me in this. Why should he? He already has. It's very clear in his word. Open it up and get after it. That's one way he's going to answer us is through his word. Sometimes he'll answer us through other people. 
And, uh, and some of you may have had that experience before where you're praying for something and then God sends somebody along and they say something and you go, oh my goodness, that's the answer to what I was praying for. Uh, uh, kings, kings, we read in the Bible that kings had people who often did that. The prophets oftentimes would come to them and say, this is what God is saying. Or they'd be praying for something, they'd come and say, this is what God wants you to know. He wants to tell you this. Here's a secret. Sometimes God will even use your spouse. True story. True story. Yeah. Sometimes he uses people that we just assume he not use. Right? But we, if we're open, we say, God, God, would you... Would you be willing to use somebody else? I have had God confirm something he was telling me that I thought, am I really hearing this from God? And I, and I was saying, Lord, I, I would love to get some kind of confirmation because I think this is what you're telling me, but I'm not sure. One of my grandkids came up to me and what he said, he didn't even know, absolutely confirmed what God was saying. Oh, wow. God, you can use all kinds of other people. I'll tell you what, God uses my, my wife, and usually, often, when she doesn't even realize it. And that's the most beautiful part, you know? There's no pressure on her, but all of a sudden, she'll say something, and I'll go, oh, yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was looking for from God. So he'll use other people. And then God answers through special events, special events. We have on our prayer team, we have uh, a lady that God speaks to frequently through a picture. And when she gets a picture from the Lord, it lines right up with the other stuff that's going on. You just know it's from God. In the Bible, we see God using dreams to jo with Joseph in Genesis 41, Daniel in Daniel 2, handwriting on a wall for, in Daniel chapter 5, a talking donkey to Balaam in Numbers 22, an angel to Abram, Gideon, Moses, Mary, Peter, John, Joshua, Elijah. He would have an angel show up and, and speak into their lives. So he's used all of that. He uses pictures. He uses words. He actually, with a friend of mine recently, used a t-shirt a t-shirt to confirm what he was saying isn't it interesting how many different ways God can speak to us and then God answers through his voice in Isaiah he said to Isaiah Isaiah whether you turn to the right or whether you turn to the left your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it in other words I'm going to be speaking to you Isaiah, just be listening to me, and I'll direct you as to which way to go. Samuel, as a little boy, doesn't, doesn't recognize God's voice and is wondering who it is. And Eli, the priest, when he comes and asks us, just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And some of us need to be willing to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Oh, that's right. Part of prayer is to actually listen. Hmm. Lord, help me to do that so I can hear your voice. For me, he often speaks uh, with impressions. So I get, I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, this is what I'm praying about. And now I stop to listen and I, and I sense that he's saying this or I sense that he's saying that. Sometimes he speaks, as, it's not audible, but it almost is like it's audible, if you know what I mean. It's so loud, it's so clear. It's like, are you kidding me? And with me, I gotta be honest, he often uses questions to answer my questions. And uh, maybe because that's the way I like to operate, you know. But, and when he asks me a question, it cuts right through everything. I know it's from him because it's not something I'd come up with. I don't, you know, I'm not making it up. 
So that's the wonderful part of it. I, Lord, I'm not sure if this is for you or not. Okay, I can check. Does, does it line up with his word? Is it, is it okay in the, as far as the Bible is concerned? Oh, yes, it is. Well, well okay. Well, then if it's, if it's right as far as the Bible is concerned, then whether you actually heard God or not, you're in the, going the right direction, aren't you? Because his word says that. So you're okay. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Just keep saying, Lord, would you show me through your voice? And then God also answers through circumstances. Through circumstances. Uh, Elijah was fed by ravens. Gideon put out fleeces saying, Lord, I'm not, I, I'm not positive which, you're, which way you're telling me to go. So I'm going to put this fleece out. And if in the morning the fleece is wet and the ground is dry all the way around it, then I'll know you're speaking to me. And God answers his fleece. Now, I think that's a wonderful picture. And in his case, he had to go back around twice. And he said, now, now, I really think that was you, God, but would you do it again? But in reverse this time, this time make the fleece dry and the ground around it wet. And God did it. I think, man, if God will do that kind of stuff for Gideon, maybe he'll do that kind of stuff for me too. And he has. He really has. And I'm embarrassed to say I always thought Gideon was bad for having to ask twice. <laughs> and I've had some decisions where four different times God said, do you still need to get it? Yeah, and see, questions, cutting right to it. There he goes. If you have two people who have a loving, growing relationship, healthy, what is taking place between those two people? Communication. Who said that? Do I have another tissue? Oh, I'm out of tissue. No, I have. Last one. Last one. There you go. Good catch. Or did you? Anyway. Yes. Communication, prayer is how we communicate with God. It's how we communicate with God. You cannot, you cannot have a relationship, a real relationship without communication. You can't. You want to test me on that? Take your best friend. Stop talking to him. Your spouse. No, actually, don't do that. It, it, uh, don't do that. Now, we must communicate. We must communicate if it's a real relationship. How people can say, oh, I love God. I, gotta, I, don't, I don't pray much. He gets me. Really? How about getting him? He wants you in communication with him. He wants us to be talking to him. It's the only way you can have a real relationship with him. And this is not just Cliff's words. We can go back to the very beginning of the book. Go back to the book of Genesis in the very beginning. And the Lord called to Abraham and said, the Lord talked to Eve, called to the woman and said, he is speaking to them. He wants them to speak back. They were walking in the cool of the afternoon with God, having conversation, having relationship, having communication, growing in their knowledge of him. God wants us to be speaking to him, and he actually wants us to listen too. 1 Timothy 2.1, uh, Paul writes Timothy and says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede, that means pray on their behalf, and give thanks for them. I love the way the message talks about verse 8 in the same chapter 2 there. It says, since prayer is at the bottom of all this, what I want mostly is for men to pray, not shaking angry fists at enemies, but raising holy hands to God. Can I just tell you something right now that just annoys me at this time in our society? Is that the church, 
People who love Jesus many times are shaking their fists at people instead of raising their hands in prayer to a holy God. And God's telling us, knock it off. Start praying to me instead of worrying about them. And I'll, I'll direct you. I'll fill you. I'll lead you. In order to have effective communication, you must have a sender and a receiver. That's, that's a... That's a technical term for effective communication. You got one, so I'm going to communicate with Alex. I'm going to send him a message. He has to receive the message. It's not effective communication if he doesn't receive it, if I just send it. Now, to really have effective communication, you need to have it going both ways, don't you? You need to have a communicator, one that's, that is sending and receiving, and that's what God wants from us. He said, that's what I want from you. I want you to talk to me so that now, now we're talking to him, we're sending him the signal, he's receiving the signal, and he's saying, but I want you also to listen and let me speak to you. So we pray to communicate with God, and we should pray because prayer grows our relationship with God. Uh, somebody had said that that was one of the benefits of praying, it grows our relationship with God. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 16 says this, now, Paul is speaking to people who know Jesus. Listen to what he says. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Friends, listen, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been adopted into God's family. And you're now his child. You're no longer a fearful slave. You're beloved. You're adopted. You've been paid for. And, and he, I love the picture. You see the idea of Abba? Abba is such a familiar term. It's like Daddy. It's such a familiar, comfortable firm, so, uh, term. So this, this actually at the time really incensed the, uh, some of the people who were really religious who knew how to pray right. Have you ever been around somebody who knows how to pray right and it's annoying? All right, you got a bunch of liars in here. Right. You, you know, the people who know how to do that, I mean, they go to their, oh God, thou must come and help us in this time of our desperate need. And you're going, wow, I didn't know I had to change my voice when I prayed. And you're, if you're listening, to that, no, God just wants you to talk to him. That's what prayer is. Just communicate with me and it will grow our relationship with you. And guess what? You get to call me daddy, Abba. Oh, oh, I, I don't have to worry about it. And then he says, listen, the reason I actually created you I actually, I, God, God saying this to you and me, I actually created you and I did it so we could have this kind of relationship and so you could actually even work with me, not just have your pleasure times with me, but work with me. Oh, go back to the book of Genesis and see how God said to Adam, I'm going to ask you to go name all the animals. I'm going to ask you to do this. And I'm going with you. I'm going to go to work with you. Maybe this week your prayer needs to be, God, go to work with me. Show me how to work with you. 
I want to partner with you in this, God, because that's what he's saying. I want to partner with you. I want to work with you. I want to talk to you. I want a joy-filled, loving relationship with you where you can see me in every part of it. And I want it to start now, and I commit this to you, God tells us. If you start that relationship with me now, it will go on eternally. And we know that. And he says, I've even, made, I've even put that in your heart, that you want that kind of a relationship. In Ecclesiastes verse, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse number 11, we read, He has made everything, he is God, has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set eternity in their hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. God set eternity in our hearts. You know what I believe? That's why every single culture out there has a belief in some kind of afterlife. They do. Why? Because God's put it in our hearts. The desire for eternity. God said right there, I'm going to put that in there because I want to have an eternal relationship with you that begins now and will continue long after you pass from this life. So, and then and what else that verse says is, no matter how much we know about him, there's no end. There's always more to learn about him. So we have the privilege of being in a dynamic, growing relationship with God. Listen, God created you. The Bible tells us he knit you together in your mother's womb. He arranged your DNA strands. He knows everything about you. And he loves you perfectly and completely today. Just the way you are. He still loves you completely and perfectly. He will not love you more and he cannot love you less. Now we, we can always grow in our relationship with him. Because he is so magnificent and so great. And there is always more. No matter how good our relationship with him is, it can always get better. And he's left that there for us so that we'll want to stay in relationship with him. So that we'll continue to grow in our relationship with him. So we'll continue to get to understand him better. It's another reason to pray because prayer is your key to knowing God. Here's another reason. Prayer helps us understand him. As we begin to pray and we begin to listen, it will actually help us understand God. Colossians 1.9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you. What's Paul praying for the Christians in Colossia? Our desire is that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So Paul is saying, man, this is what we're praying for you, that you'll continue to know more and more and more about God. And then he will at times intersect with us in ways we do not expect. Uh, a terrific book to read about this, is the book of Daniel, the first, uh, first, oh, I don't know, about eight or nine chapters, uh, particularly the first few chapters, Daniel is in, he's been taken out of uh, Israel into exile, into Babylon, and uh, he's now become one of the wise men of the, of the uh, nation uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and you, know, but you might know the story in Daniel chapter 2. If you don't, go read it. It's, fun, it's a fun story. And, and in, in that, he has this dream, and he wants to get, he knows it's a weird dream. He wants to interpret it. But he doesn't want the people who are the wise men to just kind of come up with an interpretation. Here was my weird dream and have them go, oh, what that means is. And, and he knew that they could do that pretty easy if they knew what the dream was. So he said, no, you got to tell me what my dream was and give me the interpretation. They said, can't be done. Can't be done. He said, okay, either do it or I'm going to have you killed. It's your choice. 
Well, Daniel heard about that and was included in that category. And so in, the, in, in verse number 17, Daniel chapter 2, it says he went home and told his friends what happened and told them to pray to the God of heaven for mercy and to ask him to explain the mystery. And God does that. That same night, he, gives, he reveals to Daniel in a vision everything that, he had, that the king had dreamed and gives Daniel the interpretation to it. That is such a cool thing. Prayer provides wisdom and insight and understanding beyond our own. We're allowing God to be able to come into us and give us some discernment, some perception beyond our own human intelligence. So often he begins to let us see things from his perspective. God, I've got this going on in my life and it is driving me crazy and I'm praying about it and praying about it. I don't see where you're at in this. Would you show me? And then when we stop and listen, often at least what I have found is he takes me and begins to let me see it from his perspective. Oh, now I don't see that person quite that way because God's shown me something about them that, oh my goodness, now I see them in a completely different way. Now I can actually pray for them differently. Now I can actually understand why they've been such a jerk or whatever it is in your life. Just being honest, I pray about some of you. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, uh, James 1, James 1. Verses 5 and 6, James says this, if you don't know what you're doing, how many of you at times feel like you don't know what you're doing? Yeah, hallelujah. We got some people who are honest here. I love that. I do too. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Isn't that a great, great comfort? But I don't know how to pray. God's going, don't worry about it. Just talk to me. But I, but I, but I, don't worry about it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to condescend to you when you ask for it. Ask boldly, James says, believing without a second thought. What are you supposed to be believing? He's real. He's there. He's my father. He's adopted me. He's forgiven my sins. He loves me. He lets me call him Abba. He lets me call him daddy. This is a good day. He's open to hear my prayer. People who worry their prayers James goes on to say, are like wind-whipped waves. In other words, they're not sure where they're going to land. I think I've got to do this. I think I've got to do that. I've got to do it right. And God's going, calm down, calm down. Just talk to me. I love you. I love you. His perspective is different than ours. And so we want to get his perspective on our lives. We want to get his purpose for our lives. And then another tremendous reason to pray is that prayer provides peace. Prayer provides peace from God in a way that, oh my gosh, we can't hardly believe. It's just amazing. It allows us to handle the ups and downs of life. And um, uh, read Daniel, Daniel uh, chapter 3, there uh, where, where Daniel's friends end up going, getting thrown into a fiery furnace because they're not going to bow for God. But in the process, they tell the king this. They say, you know, king, whether God, our God, first they say, our God is able to save us from our fate here. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to the idols that you've told us to bow down to. And so, of course, they get thrown in the fire, and, and you'll have to read about it if you haven't, how it works, how what God does, how he shows up. But here's my point. Those dudes had peace. Their lives were on the line, and they had 
peace. You cannot have that kind of peace if you are not communicating with God. You cannot have that kind of peace if you're not in prayer, friends. That's why we're asking you, get in prayer in this time. Say, God, I'm going to draw closer to you. I want to know you more. One of my favorite scriptures when I'm feeling anxious about things comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 to 8. And um, here's, here's what it says. You got that slide, Tiffany? Um, there it is. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So I take, sometimes I take scripture, and, and if you're having a hard time praying, you might try this. I'll take a scripture like this that means a lot to me because it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. So I will, I will I, I call it transliterate that. I will turn it into a prayer for me. So I can take this verse that you are reading up there right now, I can take that verse and I can say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to rejoice in you because you are near. I'm going to let your gentleness be, be shown through me. I, will, I don't want to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer, petition, which is more prayer, deep prayer, and thanksgiving, I'm going to make my requests known to you. And I'm counting on you, Jesus, that you're going to take your peace, which passes understanding, and you're going to give me that peace, and you're going to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus so that my mind will dwell on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And God, that you will be able to help Help me continue to walk with you in that way and that you'll protect my mind and my mind will think on things that are excellent and worthy of praise, things that are actually true and honorable and just and lovely and right and pure. Thank you, Jesus, that you're going to show up that way. Thank you, Jesus, that you let me pray your words that I know you've already brought down and I'm bringing them back up to you and asking you to apply them to me right now because I need your peace because I don't want to be anxious about anything. Guard my heart. Guard my heart so I'm not anxious and worrying. Guard my mind so I don't get all caught up in those kinds of things. Friends, listen, prayer works. It works, and it's your key to knowing God. There's scientific evidence of it. They've done all kinds of tests on it, and they found out that people who don't even know they're being prayed for end up getting healed more quickly, being more relaxed in it. They've done all kinds of tests on it. Prayer works, and it works scientifically. And if you just want to see from God's perspective, you can see from Daniel, the lion's den and the furnace, and Elijah, he prayed for rain to stop and then rain to start. And then Elisha, for a widow's son to be healed, for an accident to actually float. Moses, for plagues to come, and then later for plagues to go. Uh, Peter, who healed a blame man. Paul, who prayed to heal the sick. Jesus, who prayed to raise the dead. Wow. I read about a uh, small Oklahoma town that had two churches and a distillery in the town, very small town. And uh, the guy who owned the distilleries was an avowed atheist, and he loved to just goad the people in the churches. And so the people in the churches had been trying to get rid of the distillery. They thought it gave their little town a bad name and a bad image. And, and so they'd done all kinds of things to try to get rid of it, and it hadn't worked. And so they finally said, let's get together and pray about this. I don't know how long it took them, but it was years. And finally, the two little churches got together on a Saturday night and began to pray about, God, would you intervene in this? This guy's driving us crazy. He's acting like you aren't powerful and all these kinds of things. And they start praying. It's raining outside. And pretty soon the rain starts storming. And pretty soon thunder and thunder. And then thunder and lightning. And then lightning hits that old distillery and burns it to the ground. And you can't believe the sermons that were preached that next morning. Hold on the power of prayer. Man, God can do amazing, powerful things. That distillery owner found out about that prayer meeting. And he was ticked. 
especially when he found out that his insurance company had a clause in there that they didn't cover acts of God. And they said, this is an act of God and we're not going to cover it for you. So he sued both churches. The, the case went to court and here's what the judge said. He opened the trial with these words. I find one thing in this case most perplexing. We have a situation here where the plaintiff, an avowed atheist, is professing his belief in the power of prayer. <laughs> and the defendants, all faithful church members, are denying the very same power. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pray. Pray. Because prayer is your key to knowing God. James chapter 5 verse 16 says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working or avails much is the way they say that. The prayer of a righteous person, that's why you should be praying. And I hear you saying right now, but Cliff, I'm not righteous. No, 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 no. The person is talking about, you could say the prayer of one who has accepted Jesus avails much. That's you. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that we have the opportunity to come to you and that you love it when we do, that you do not look down on us, you don't condescend to us, but that you care for us, that you want to, us to speak to you and you want to speak to us. So as we go from this place, I'm asking, Lord, that you would go with us and help improve, increase, and deepen our prayer life with you. Let us pray. And let us know you better because we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. And uh, so you can stand and we'll, we'll sing together.